The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Yesterday, Monday the 11th of October, was National Coming Out Day, and unfortunately we couldn't talk about this yesterday. It was a very busy program yesterday and another busy program again today, but on the line from the Monash University Faculty of Law to talk about it, we've got Professor Paula Gerber. Uh, Professor, thanks for being on the program. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So first of all, can you explain what is the significance of National Coming Out Day yesterday, and I suppose what are the key messages that we're trying to get across? National Coming Out Day has been around for 33 years now and it's and it's important today as it was when it was first uh, created and it's about supporting and encouraging people to come out of the closet to disclose their sexual orientation and their gender identity if they feel comfortable doing so and to celebrate those who have come out because them sharing their stories makes it easier for people after them to come out and helps to change the hearts and minds of people who may not be supportive of the LGBTIQ community. How has the process, if you like, of coming out changed, say, for the last 33 years? When this day started 33 years ago, what was it like then and what's it like today in 2021? Well, 33 years ago, it was still a crime to be gay in many parts of Australia. So that's one very significant change. It's now at least you're no longer a criminal when you, when you come out. We've also had marriage equality in Australia and in many other parts of the world. And that obviously makes it more, in quotation marks, normal, um, to be, to be gay. But it's still a very, uh, scary thing to do to come out to your, your parents, your siblings, your friends and extended family because there's still a very real fear of rejection. And how do people come out? I've now seen people coming out on Facebook um, rather than having the in-person conversations, mm. do an announcement. If you don't like it, if you're not happy with it, you know, unfriend me um, because this is who I am now. In terms of the legal system in Victoria and Australia, are there any reforms needed to make this process of coming out easier? Absolutely. Unfortunately, in Victoria, it is still um, perfectly legal for a school to sack a teacher because they're, they're gay or transgender. It's perfectly legal to expel a student because of their sexual orientation or gender identity in religious schools. So um, we have very good anti-discrimination laws in Victoria that protect against discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity in the, in the provision of goods and services and businesses, etc. But there's this very big exemption for religious organisations and that has to go. We actually spoke to Christine Cousins, the state MP for Geelong about this and I believe the state government is bringing about some potential changes to that legislation. I don't know if you've had any conversations with them or seen what the draft proposals might look like because they did comment and they said that they had to get the balance right between clearly this issue but also the, the religious freedom issue. Yes, well, that's right. It is, it is a, a balancing act, but uh, we're not the first to do it. Tasmania has done this uh, very successfully, so we don't have to reinvent the wheel. The model is, is already out there. The federal government has done it to a limited extent in that they have said it, so it's all religious organizations, not just schools that have this exemption from anti-discrimination laws. And the federal government, when they introduced, um, sexual orientation and gender identity into their anti-discrimination legislation. They said it doesn't, the religious exemption doesn't apply to aged care facilities in regional remote 
uh, areas because they recognise that in a country town there may only be one nursing home and it may be run by a religious organisation, by a church. And so it is not appropriate in that in that situation to say, well, you can discriminate lawfully against uh, the LGBTIQ community. So we've seen the religious exemption be removed and the sky didn't fall in. Everything, you know, continued on. Training of staff about how to, um, you know, be sensitive towards a person's sexual orientation and gender identity. Because one of the things that we saw when LGBTIQ people went into aged care facilities is they found themselves going back into the closet. They'd led this openly gay life and suddenly they were in an environment where they felt they needed to be closeted again. I'm just wondering how this discussion goes around the uh, the co-ed schools versus single-sex schools debate because it must be incredibly difficult to come out as transgender if you're in a single-sex school. Yes, unfortunately, they're becoming fewer and fewer um, and a lot of the, you know, the old uh, same-sex schools like Wesley, for example, have, have now gone co-ed. Um, but yes, it would be very difficult to, well, it's always difficult to come out as, as trans and to transition, but in a single-sex school, I can imagine that would be um, difficult for the school to accommodate. And in terms of COVID-19, you say that um, there's been particular challenges for the LGBTI community during COVID-19. Yes, unfortunately, um, particularly for young people, um, their families may be um, hostile to them being gay or trans or bisexual. And so they get a lot of um, support from uh, what's termed their family of choice, from their peers, from their friends. And with lockdowns, particularly the number we've had in Victoria, they've been very much shut off from this this family of, of choice, from their support network. And also they've experienced difficulties in accessing um, healthcare services because you can imagine when it's all being done via telehealth, um, for a young LGBTIQ person perhaps who hasn't come out to their family to try and find a safe space within the the home where they can have a private conversation with their GP or their psychologist can be very uh, challenging. So they have um, experienced uh, difficulties over and above the, the average population who have all generally struggled with lockdowns. So in terms of the messaging out there for people that may be in a family situation that have children that could potentially come out, I mean, how do we talk to the community? How do we encourage the community to be more supportive of people going through that journey, particularly when someone comes out for the first time? Um, there's luckily a lot on uh, a lot on Google about how to support a young person coming out. So it's it's been done before. There people have written about this, um, but but genuinely, generally, just being open, listening, and non-judgmental, and re, re, reinforcing that you love them no matter what. This doesn't change anything. They're the same person they were yesterday. Um, you just know a little bit more about them now because they have um, felt comfortable enough with you to tell you. So um, I would encourage parents to feel really um, privileged and proud of a child who has come out to them. Well, Professor, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, All important things to think about and we'll see how things go between now and the next National Coming Out Day and what uh, potential legal changes and other changes to society might be on the horizon. Appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. Professor Paula Gerber with us there from the Monash University Faculty of Law. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. 
Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's front page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.